I'm glad you're here. I'm glad Brother Chandler Cooper's with us and his wife Mariah, the brand new, brand, you're going to have to forgive me, I'm terrible with names, brand new Adelie, Adelie uh, man. Just, she, if y'all hadn't seen blue eyes, you need to see these blue eyes. Beautiful. Look just like a mama. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Brother Chandler. Will y'all give Chandler another great Big Lake Village welcome? Amen. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Always a privilege to uh, minister God's word. Thankful to Pastor Marty for giving me this opportunity. Always thankful. What a privilege it is to speak on behalf of, of the Lord. Amen. It's weighty. It's serious. But um, I'm just blessed. And we're all blessed. Amen. To know this, this blessed Savior. Amen. The Bible declares in, in, in Revelation 4 that John says, he says, I heard a loud voice of great multitude, he says. He, says, and he said it was, as it were, thousands of thousands of angels, the, the four living creatures and the elders. And then he says, I beseech it was 10,000 times 10,000. Amen. Angels and thousands of thousands ministered unto him. And they were singing blessing and honor and glory and power and salvation be unto the Lord our God. Amen. And he says, I heard every creature in heaven and under the, the earth and on the earth proclaiming blessing and honor and glory. Listen, I come to give God glory today. I come to exalt the name of Jesus today. I come to exalt what he did for us today. Amen. May he be glorified in our hearts and our life in this service. Would you turn with me in John chapter 2, the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. You got it? Say amen. 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 All right. It says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. This is where I want to minister. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that your word is alive. Your word is active. Your word goes and pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit. Lord, I pray that you speak to our spirit today. Only you can do it, Lord. And I pray that you, O oh God, would have your way and that you give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. And Lord, I know that the anointing only comes from you. So God, I ask that you anoint me. Lord, because I speak in the sight of you today. I speak in the sight of you today, Lord. And I pray that you bless this word, bless these people. Lord, encourage us, exhort us to lay hold of the confidence that we have in you and the hope that we have in you. We give you the praise and the honor today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to preach a message entitled, The Ever-Burning Zeal of Christ. The Ever-Burning Zeal of Christ. Ever-Burning meaning ever-burning. See, I don't believe that this passage of Scripture is giving us something that is not true of the Lord today. I believe this same zealous Christ that we see in this temple scene is the same zealous Christ today. How many of you believe that? The ever-burning zeal of Christ. I want us to feel the Lord's intense zeal today for us as the body of Christ. I want us to feel, I want the Spirit of God to make it real to us today. The intense zeal today for us. Zeal means to have great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. 
It's a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Listen, his objective in this scene, this temple scene that we see in this passage of Scripture when he's faced with the temple and he's faced in his day with the religious services that were going on, his objective was to get his father's house back in order. Amen. It was to get his father's house back in order. And his objective is still the same today. And if it is in order, it's to keep it in order. The zeal that that he had that day was to get his father, the objective that he had was to get his father's house back in order. And how many of you know that God is a God of order? Amen. How many of you know that God likes things done his way? Amen. Praise God. But we were talking about it earlier before church started. And in the confinement of God's order, listen church, there's liberty in the spirit. In the confinement of God's boundaries, there's liberty in the spirit of God. There's not restriction, but there's liberty not negative restriction, but positive restriction, amen. But it's a great energy and, and, and an enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause and objective, and his objective was to get his father's house back in order. God wants his house in order. How many of you believe that? God wants his house in order. He wants your life in order, amen. He wants my life in order. He wants our heart set on him. His objective was to get that house back in order. And you see with a great, intense zeal, Jesus making his way through the temple that day, and you see what he did in his zeal for his father's house. And oh, so ever is it true that Christ still ever burns with his zeal for his father's house. Christ has an ever-burning pursuit to bring forth his desires in the body of Christ. You know that Christ continually pursues us? Whether you're pursuing him or not, and there comes a time, according to the scripture, that he don't pursue. After he's done all that he can do and you've made your mind up, but listen, Christ continually pursues those who are his. He is continually on search and pursuing our hearts. He's pursuing our minds. He's pursuing our affections because he has affections toward us. He has desires towards us. His pursuit and his ever-burning pursuit is to bring forth his desires in the body of Christ. Notice I said it's not our desires, but it's to bring forth his desires. That's the root and the foundation of his intense zeal we see in this temple. And listen, I believe God wants us to capture this zeal in this temple scene. You know, John said it was recorded in the same man who wrote this scripture in this book. He says, if Christ, if we were to write down all the things Christ have said or done, he said, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. But listen, this specific passage is in scripture for a reason. This scene, this zeal, this spiritual anger, this indignation is in the passage of scripture for a reason. And what does it do? It magnifies to me and to us as the body of Christ, his concern for us, his concern for the state of his people. His concern for the things of God. When Jesus walked into that temple, friends, he walked in there with an ever-burning zeal of concern for what was taking place. A place that was to be dedicated to the presence and the purpose of Christ. A place that was to be dedicated and a people who were made up of, who were given to him fully, whom loved him fully. But yet he comes to the temple scene and we see that he comes with this spiritual indignation. You see, zeal manifests in different manners. It doesn't always manifest in anger or spiritual anger. Zeal manifests in all kinds and types and different types of ways. It manifests in our pursuit of Christ. It manifests in our passion for Christ. It manifests in our love for Christ. It manifests for our affections for Christ. And the question is, and what we need to get a hold of, is this zeal that he had. We need to let what was in him get in us today. Amen. We need this holy zeal because it's in him and it's ever burning. 
We are the ones, listen, in whom he has to delight in. We are the ones whom he has reserved, according to the scripture, every spiritual blessing for. We are the ones whom became his children. The Bible says, oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That he has given us the privilege or the right to become what? Children of God. We are the ones whom he gave all for. You hear me, church? I said he gave everything. He emptied heaven for us so that we may have him. And can I may say and make the statement that when he went to this cross, when he went to that cross, from the temple all the way to the cross, through his ministry, there was this same ever-fervent zeal in his heart. All the way down the Via Della Rosa, all the way to taking the nails in his hands and feet, you'll see the zeal and the passion of Christ himself for our soul, for the church of Jesus Christ. I want us to be pleasing, listen to him, and by the help of the Spirit, I want us to grasp and receive today his ever-burning zeal for his house, for his church, for his people. You see, God's zeal is intentional, listen, and it's affectionate. It's intentional and affectionate. I love this saying. It's God says what he means, and he means what he says. And he also does what he says, and he does what he means. He puts his words in action. God's zeal is intentional, church. The reason why this passage of Scripture is given to us today, the reason why is so that we can learn from it, so that we can see something from Christ himself that's ever burning in his heart, so that we could know that this God, this Christ, is concerned with what's going on in our lives. He's concerned with what's going on concerning order in our life, concerning his desires in our heart, his ever-burning love and affection. And it's his ever-burning love and affection for his church that brings forth this intensity, this intensity we see from him in the temple. Listen, I, I believe we need to be reminded today of how serious he is about his church. The Bible says, but the end of all things is at hand, 1 Peter 4, 7. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. To be serious doesn't mean to lack joy. You can be full of joy, inexpressible, full of glory, dance, shout, weep, cry, have a great, awesome, intimate relationship with Christ but yet also be serious with Christ and be serious with the things of God. How many of you believe that we're living in a time where people need to get serious with the things of God? We need to get serious about our spiritual condition. We need to get serious about our order and whose order we are following and in. I believe we need to be reminded of this. He has the, listen, right to be zealous over that which he died for. Let me say that again. I said he has the right. He has to himself reserved the very right, the very right, to be zealous over that which he bled and died for. His zeal speaks and says, listen, I paid the debt. I bore the cross. I took upon me the guilt of your punishment. I took upon me the weight of your sin. I alone reserve the right to be spiritually angry when my house is out of order. I alone reserve the right to have this ever-burning zeal to keep you and to pursue you, and to touch you, and to convict you, and to exhort you, and to strengthen you, and to live through you. I said he has the right reserve because he paid and, and bought our salvation with a precious price, church. Let us not forget how great that price he paid that day. Because that should motivate us, and that should let us learn, and let us see kind of the inside of his heart, and that zeal that he had that day. The reason why he has this Concern is because, listen, this is his house. 
We're not talking about Billy's house and Joe's house down the corner. We're talking about the King of Kings house. We're talking about the Lord of glory. We're talking about the God who's mighty and strong in battle. We're talking about the Lord who's coming back with eyes flame of fire with the crown on his head. We're talking about the King of Kings. And the Bible says, open up your gates, you everlasting doors. Make way for the King of glory. What's his name? The Lord of hosts is his name. We're talking about the King today. We're talking about the Lord of all creation today. And he paid this price. He humbled himself and he became a bondservant and he obeyed death for us. Therefore, he reserves the right to ever burn with the holy zeal for his people. I believe he has a zeal for his church in this hour to be faithful to his word and his way of doing things. If if you want to disrespect the Lord, if you want to live a life irreverent towards the Lord, discard his word. Divorce yourself from his truth. Live your own truth. Be your own God. Set up your own order. Do your own thing. If you want to see tables flipped over, spiritually speaking, do your own thing. Live for self. Live your life with no intention to be His or to know Him or to walk with Him. I believe He has a zeal for His church again to be faithful to His Word. Listen, we need a revival in the church of His Word becoming precious again to us. I said we need a revival in our hearts as the corporate church I'm speaking of here. Of a revival of getting back to what it says. What is written, glory to God. I want his system in my life. I want his structure in my life. I want his boundaries in my life. Because in his boundaries, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm thankful for his testimonies. The Bible declares in Psalms 119, Oh, how I love your law, O Lord. How I will declare your testimonies to all those who are around me. I will declare your faithfulness because it reaches to the clouds. I will declare your mercy because it reaches unto the heavens. I love your word and I delight myself and meditate in your law both day and night. We need a people who again find his word precious. And I believe God has an ever-burning zeal today for the people of God to get back to his word, to believing it, standing upon it, living it, and letting it come to life in us. Bible says in Amos 8, listen, this is the time we're living in. Amos chapter 8, what's it tell us? There's a famine coming, he says. To this backsliding children of Israel, he said, there's a famine that's coming, says the Lord to the prophet Amos. Tell them there's a famine. He said, but it ain't for bread or for water. How many of you know we don't have a famine in America for bread or water? We don't have a, a famine in our lives for bread and water. We can get bread. We can get water. He said, but that's not the type of famine that's coming. The type of famine that's coming, tell them, Amos, the famine that's coming is a famine for my word. They will search to and fro. They will go from here to this evangelist, to this evangelist, to this prophet, to this pastor, to this apostle, and they will not find it. That's the time we're living in. Because why? He says their hearts are bent on evil. They don't want to listen. They don't have ears to hear. They're not in tuned to my instruction. They're not listening and seeing the concern that I have. They're not concerned with what I'm concerned with. Church, let us not fail to be concerned with what he's concerned with. Let us not fail to not look to what God desires. Listen, I want what his, is in his heart, his desires to be in mine. I want his holy heavenly desires to be mine. I, I, I want the church of Jesus Christ to again stand upon his word and be faithful. And that's, I believe, he has a zeal for this. Listen, all our agendas, a zeal, again, not just to be faithful to his word, but a zeal of doing things his way. All our agendas, may I say, must bow to Jesus. All our plans and goals and visions must bow to him. And how do we do that? We bow to what his word says. 
We bow to Christ's instruction. We bow to his word. All our agendas, all our plans, all our visions, all our goals are in vain unless he be glorified. And unless Christ has spoken it, unless Christ is doing it, friends, it's empty, it's in vain, it's empty deceit, it's vain tradition. Friends, we need the instruction and the ministry of the Spirit of God. If we are going to do that, we need to let this ever-burning zeal of Christ get on the inside of us. We need to see something from this text today. We need to see something uh, um, that we need to capture by the Spirit's help, the emotions that you see from your Savior in this temple. Because, again, it lets us know he's concerned with the state of his house. He must reign, and he must be exalted in your life. I said he must reign, and he must be exalted. I'm reminded of a parable when, when, when God was giving a parable to men, and he says, listen, these men don't want me to reign over them. Cut them in two and assign them their portion with the unbelievers. That's what he said, church. They don't want me to rule over them. They don't want me to reign. They want to live their own life. They don't want me to be exalted. But listen, no flesh shall glory in his presence. He alone is exalted and deserves and reserves the right to be exalted and glorified and magnified by his people and by his church. Hear me close. Christ will not be a part of any movement or anything the church does if he's not exalted and glorified rightly as he desires. Let me say that again. Christ will not be a part of any movement or anything in which he's not rightly exalted and glorified. The zeal and the spiritual anger Christ had was showing the people of that day that, hey, whatever you have going on in here, your religious services, they're not of me. He comes to the temple and the Bible says they're doing business. They're doing business. And he's speaking and he's flipping over tables in zeal and he's letting them know, listen, whatever you got going on here, your heart, your attention, your motive, your focus, and your love is all wrong. I said their motives, their purpose, their attention, their affections, their love was all wrong. And he was left to flip over the tables. He was, he was left burning with the holy zeal for his father's house to get things back in order. And that zeal still ever burns. If you are in order today, listen, if you are in order with Christ, his zeal is still ever affectionate, still ever burning to keep you in order. To keep us in that place where we can receive the blessings from heaven. Listen, the zeal and spiritual anger Christ had was showing them that their religious services was not of him. Their motives, their purpose, their attention, their focus, their love was all wrong. Be, beware. Take note, be exhorted, be encouraged, be strengthened by the words of the Lord today, by the Spirit of God ministering. Is your life in order? Are your motives correct and pure? Is your purpose His purpose? Is your attention, your mind, your heart set on heavenly things or set on the earthly things? Their focus and their love was all wrong. Listen, church, His zeal ever burns today for His house. And now I'm going to bring this. In John chapter 2, it says, You make my Father's house a house of merchandise. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. When we think house in this context, it would be the temple. But what's the Bible say? We are the what? House of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the building of God. We are the hosting place of his presence, if you will. We host the holy presence of the Lord. We host God corporately and individually. We are the hosting place, the church, the body of Christ. We are the temple of the living God. And Hebrews 8 tells us he's a minister of the sanctuary. Whom is us? He says it was not erected by man, but it was erected by the Lord. 
I said he has erected a sanctuary, bought and paid for, purchased, sanctified, consecrated by his blood and by way of his spirit. And he expects this sanctuary, this house, to ever hear and to ever beware and to ever in tune and to be careful, to be watchful in all things, the Bible says, that we don't forsake his order, that we don't forsake him, that our affections don't go away from where they need to go. We host his presence. Have you ever thought about that, church? You're the hosting place for the presence of God. When I think of the presence of God, I go back to Israel, and I see where David and 30,000 men went to get the Ark of the Covenant. They were going to Baal Judah to, to recover the Ark of the Covenant and bring it to Zion, to the Jerusalem. And the Bible declares that as they were bringing it, we know the story, and I'm sure you've mentioned it and heard it. The Bible declares that on this The Ark of the Covenant represented the throne of God, and in between the cherubim was the presence of God. And David listened in his heart said, we've got to have the presence of God. That was his heart's cry. We can't do ministry. We can't do our services. We can't do our worship. We've got to have the presence of the Lord. Come on, listen, without his presence, what we do is in vain. I said he's ever burning with the zeal for us to be yielded to his presence, to that living water that flows, that brings forth life and power in us. And here it is, David, there's a heart in him. And listen, is there a heart in you that says, I've got to have the presence of the Lord? The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Listen, if you want to be a woman or a man after God's own heart, if you, if you want to know that you are one, do you long and yearn for his presence? Can you live without his presence? Can you live without his presence? Because David says, I've got to have the presence. So they get the presence, but they did not follow the order and the instructions. And the Bible says, irreverently, they mistreated it by putting that ark, that presence of God, on oxen. And the oxen began to stumble. And when he did, Uzzah reached out his hand in haste to stop the ark of the covenant from falling. And the Bible says, God struck Uzzah. David was upset about it. What's going on? He inquired of the Lord. He went back to the law and he says, oh man, the Levites are to carry this presence. They're the ones to be carrying the ark of the covenant. We mistreated and we mishandled the presence of God. Listen, friends, that's why Jesus was so upset this day. He's concerned if we mistreat and mishandle his presence. It touches his heart. You hear me? Because his desire is to dwell in us and to live in us and to minister in us. And if we do not yield, if we don't listen, if we mistreat him, if we grieve the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him and don't be like that children in the desert, the Bible says, whom all their time they were spending their time moaning and complaining and grumbling and they were grieving. He says, oh, how I was with them, but they grieved me in the desert and they never entered the promise. Be careful that your life don't grieve him, friends. He's ever zealous, ever burning with this zeal for us, the church, to carry his presence, to be ministers of his presence, to usher his presence. How can we usher his presence when there's mixture in our lives? How can we usher the holy presence of God when we're mistreating and handling him Monday through Sunday? I said, God is zealous today. Listen to me. Let us feel the concern and the urgency. God is zealous for this church. He's zealous for your heart. He's zealous for your soul and your mind. He's zealous for your attention and your affections. And he showed us in the passage of Scripture how zealous he was. He went in there with the whip and he started whipping men. He flipped over the tables. Can you put yourself in that scene? I've often done it. I've often sat back and just meditated on this passage. I said, man, that's my Lord. That's my Lord. That's my Jesus flipping over tables because his house was out of order. Listen, at this point in Israel's history, the presence of God was not in there. He came to a place 
that was supposed to be dedicated to the presence of God. They were doing their religious services, and he wasn't even in there. Ever since the, the, the Solomon's temple through Babylonian captivity was destroyed, the temple, they rebuilt it. God wanted to get back in there. Ezekiel, you'll read it in the book of Ezekiel. Instructions concerning the rebuilding of the temple after they came back to their land, after Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians, they absolutely annihilated and destroyed the temple. But here they go. They're rebuilding. Remember Nehemiah built the wall? Then he called for Zechariah, and he called for um, 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 Haggai, the the, the prophets of that day, and they were exhorting the kings, and they were exhorting the people, hey, go on and build the house of the Lord again. Rebuild it. God wants to get back in here. God wants to be among you again. God wants to do something in your midst. But they rebuilt it, but guess what? God never came back in that house. God never entered again into that temple. So when Jesus pulls up on the scene, friends, he's, his presence, the presence of God ain't even in there. You could, that's why there's such spiritual intensity and anger and this zeal that is captured. This emotion that you see from Jesus is because, listen, not only did they mistreat irreverently the presence of God, they ran the presence of God off. He wasn't even in there. I believe God has an ever-burning zeal and desire for the church to walk in reverence and in the fear of the Lord. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, I didn't come here with a, necessarily just a three-point message from the text. Listen, I come here with a message on my heart today. I come in here with burning, asking the Lord, Lord, give me your desires and your heart for your people. I want to see these people in the kingdom, every last one of them. I don't want nobody to step off. I don't want nobody to get out of the boat. What did Paul say? You stay on this boat. Listen, God promised to get you to the island, remember? But if you jump off this boat, what? You're going to drown. God spoke his word. He said, I'll keep you. I'll be with you. You stay on this boat. Not one hair of their head will be lost, but don't you jump off this boat. Because men, men, they started trying to, they were going to jump off. I believe that's a spiritual application right there, church. Christ is the boat. He is the ark. Even going back to Noah's day. Don't jump off the boat. Don't get off the ship. Listen, give your mind and attention ever so more today. Have you never had before? Give it to him. Give him your heart, your desires. Give him your whole heart. Give him your whole soul. Because he ever burns with zeal for it. He ever burns with a concern for us and for your spiritual state. If you don't believe me, just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. He has a holy anger, listen, towards lukewarmness and compromise. He has a holy anger towards false teaching and complacency. I said, if you didn't know this about Christ, he has a holy anger towards lukewarmness. A holy indignation against compromise. A holy indignation against false teaching. If you want to know what upsets God, just go to the seven churches in Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. Two and three chapters right there. Chapter 2 and chapter 3, and figure out what God's heart is concerning the church. Because it's there. And I hope and pray. There was two out of the five that were getting encouraged. And they were, encur- they were doing the right thing. They were in order. But listen, what did Jesus do? He never said, okay, you're good to go. Stay in order. That was his concern with them. Stay where you are. Stay faithful unto death. Devil's coming. He's going to throw temptations. He's going to throw his arrows. But you stay faithful unto death. God is concerned with getting us back into order if our lives are out of order, but he's also concerned with keeping us in order. You hear this, church. Listen, I pray we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Do not grow cold. The Bible says in the latter days, what? The hearts of many will what? Wax cold. Don't grow cold. Judgment begins where? First. Jesus was giving us this example right here. Judgment begins where? First at the house of God. He didn't do this out in the streets. He didn't go to where the unbelievers were in the marketplaces and flip over their, their fruit tables and, and, and their, their grocery tables and their business tables. He didn't do that out in the marketplaces. He did it in the temple first. 
He went to the temple mount where they were doing all of their business and they were treating irreverently the presence of God. They ran him off and so God is showing us right here in this passage that judgment begins first at the house of God. Listen, he didn't say that to unbelievers. He spoke that to believers. Scarcely is a righteous man saved. You know what that means? Barely is a righteous man saved. How much more the ungodly and the sinner? That's the gospel. That's the word of the Lord to you today. Beware and be careful and be watchful in all things. That's an exhortation so that you remain, that you continue in your dependency and faith in that Christ who is able, more than able, more than capable, more than qualified to keep you until that day. Listen, I pray and hope Christ's zeal is not in vain toward us. I hope his zeal is not in vain toward you today. I believe the Lord wants us to know that, listen, time is short. Time is short, and it's time for his church. It's time for his church to look into his heart, his desires, and say, whatever it is, wherever my life is out of order, if it is, and even if it's not out of order, spiritually speaking, I want what's in him to be made manifest in me. I'm going to give a couple points here, concluding this message. It says, I believe, number one, I believe God has a zeal and desire for his people to be in love with him. I believe God has a desire for his people to be in love with him. When God comes to this temple scene, listen, there was none of that. He's coming to a people who have forsaken his way of doing things. He's coming to a people who have divorced themselves from his instructions and from his truth and from his presence and from his person. I believe God has a zeal and desire today for his people to be in love with him. The Bible says, keep yourselves, that's how important it is, in the love of God by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. It's our responsibility to give him our heart, mind, attention, and affection every day. And it's him who provides the fire. You provide the sacrifice, God provided the fire. But God, I believe, is desires for his people to be in love with him, a people whom he is everything to. you got to ask yourself today, presently, in the moment, is he your consuming passion? That's a good question. Is he your consuming passion today? Are you in love with Christ with all, listen, all of your heart, three alls, all of your mind, and all of your soul. Emphasis on the all. A people whom he is everything to. Listen, one of the Psalms, he said it like this. He came to this connection and this intimacy with God. And that's what I'm speaking of today, church. I'm speaking of an intimacy with God. And we have the privilege, hallelujah, to be intimate with God. We have the privilege to know God in such an intimate, experiential way. And it's through way of his love. One psalmist said, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? And whom on earth do I desire besides you? You are the strength of my heart and my portion. Does your soul say that? Does your heart cry out? Are you in love with him? Has he become your everything? Is he in this present hour the consuming passion and love of your heart? Or, listen, has something taken his place? Has something taken his place? Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days of Noah. These are good things here. There will be eating. There will be drinking. There will be marriaging. And that day will come upon them suddenly. Listen, it's not that those things he just mentioned are sinful in and of themselves. Ecclesiastes tells you that eating and drinking, not talking about alcoholic, non-alcoholic drinking, eating and drinking, if you look in Ecclesiastes, is what? A blessing from the Lord. He says, I perceive this is from heaven. It's from the Lord. It's a gift from the Lord to be able to eat and drink. He gave you taste buds. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Eating and drinking and giving into marriage and just living their life. 
just doing their thing, living in the earth and living for the earth and the things thereof. And it's not that those things are sinful in and of themselves. It's that they took the place of him. They neglected him in doing so with their attention and their mind and their heart focused on the earthly things. This is why the scripture says, do not love this world or the things thereof. Do not be so innerly woven to this world. Do not be tied to the things of this world, to these earthly things where you lose your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that day will come upon them suddenly, eating, drinking, and marrying. Listen, marriage is a blessing from the Lord. Eating and drinking is a blessing from the Lord. But listen, it can be misused in the sense where your affection and your attention and your heart begins to live for self. It begins to put family over Christ. Jesus said, listen, the call is still true. It still rings true. Come on. This is his ever zeal speaking to us today. Listen, Jesus says, if you don't love me more than your father, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters, and even your own wife, you cannot be my disciple. You can't even follow me. Have you answered that call? Are you counting that cost? Have you allowed something to replace that, the presence of God in your life, the person of God? Are you valuing him? Because God is concerned with your attention and your focus. If you don't believe me, let's just read our text again. He's concerned with what's going on with his house, whom you are. It's not, again, that those things are sinful, but it's that they took the place of him. These people were living a life that neglected him. It became idolatry. The things of this world became idols. Their day-to-day living. Their day-to-day living. Their carousing. Walking through life. Living for themselves. I'm not talking about neglecting your family, church. I'm not talking about not providing for your family. Those are must and commands. I'm talking about when those things that we don't perceive as sin become sin. Hear what I'm saying? Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 7 exhorts, and he talks about using this world. He says, you who buy as though you didn't buy. You who misuse this world, not misusing it. You who are married as though you don't even have a wife. What was he saying? To neglect your wife? No, that was not his point. What he was saying is be careful. that, And he called it the things of the world. That's what he called those things. We think things of the world, oh, drunkenness, drugs, alcohol, right? We go to the very rape, murder. But the things of this world can be just those things that we do every day that get in the place of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Let us be careful to not leave our love relationship with him. It's so ever important, church. It is so ever important. God's desire for us is to be in love with him because if we're in love with him, we are going to respect, listen, and reverence his presence. If you love me, you'll keep my word. Not keep my word and earn my love. If you love me, you'll keep my word. Come on, you hear that? Not create a religious to-do list and then earn my love. No, if you love me first, the foundation, the root of this thing, the root of the gospel, the foundation of Christianity, if you're in love with me, if your heart beats for me, if your affection is set on me, if your mind is set on the heavenly things, then you will be a keeper of my word. You will walk with me. You will live for me. Can a virgin, the Bible declares in Jeremiah 2.32, forget her ornaments? Listen to this. Or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Don't let this be you. Don't forget the presence of Christ. Don't forget God has the right reserved of your affection and your worship every day. He has reserved that right, friends, because listen, he went through, again, going back to what we said earlier, he paid an awful, terrible 
price. An awful, terrible price. We are to be a people so in love with him, listen, we'd become immovable in our faith and our confession. So in love with him, so enamored with him and his beauty and who he is, for who he is and for what he's done, that we'd be immovable in our faith faith and our confession. Are you immovable in your faith and confession to Christ? Are you moved day to day? Are you moved by the things of this world? Are you inconsistent and you're unfaithful? He told the children of Israel when they were unfaithful. He says, your faithfulness is like the morning cloud. It comes and it goes. Your faithfulness is like the dew on the ground in the morning. It's there and it's gone. Are you faithful to Christ? Is he working his good pleasure in you? Are you yielded to him? Are you in, listen, here's the root of all that. Are you in love with him? Listen, because our commitment and our faithfulness, listen, testifies if we love him. Your life, listen, behind the scenes reveals and tells him all he needs to know. I said your life behind the scenes reveals and tells God all he needs to know. What does your life behind the scenes speak to the Lord? Are you a worshiper of God? David said all day long, your praises are on my lips. And in your law, both day and night, I'm meditating in it. And he says, listen, what's the result of that? That man shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Which roots spread out by the river. He shall be blessed in all that he does. Does your heart sing to him through your day? Do you find yourself setting aside time in your day to seek him and to love him and to worship him and to receive from him and to minister to him? Because why? He's the love of your heart. That's why. Keep yourselves, church, in the love of God. Your life behind the scenes, tell him all he needs to know. David's resolve. Listen, and I believe we've got to have our resolve. This has got to be our resolve in our hearts. Psalms 18.1. I will love you. David had his resolve. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. John 14.21. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and me and my Father will manifest ourselves to him and make our home with him. And then here's the exhortation, and we'll move on to the next point. If any man loves not the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, here's the strength of this message and exhortation from the Lord today. If any man does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Do you hear that? Strong. In Church of Ephesus, by the way, who once were in love, Jesus came back and said, you're no longer in love. That was his exhortation and his rebuke to this church If any man loves not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Listen, he has an ever-burning zeal. Listen, he has an ever-burning zeal in this present moment, in this present hour in which we are here today. An ever-burning zeal, an ever-burning concern and passion and desire for his love to be made manifest in your heart and life. For you to be in love with him. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. That's what the Bible says. He preserves those who love him, but the wicked he shall destroy. Next, I believe God still has a holy desire and zeal for holiness and purity of his people. This is what was missing in that temple scene. The presence of God wasn't there. There was no love for Christ there. They were just doing business, doing their own thing. And he says, and I believe in his heart, this zeal came forth from a heart's desire that says, I desire a people, my own special people, who will honor me with their life, who will honor me with a pure heart. I believe God has a zeal, listen, and a holy desire for holiness and purity of his people. We see this captivated in 2 Corinthians 11 when Paul is talking to the Corinthian believers. What's he say? He says, I what? 
I want to present you a chaste virgin before Christ. He says, I'm jealous with you as with a godly jealousy. I want you to be a chaste virgin. I want you to be pure on that day when you stand before God. I want you to stand ever ready, ever confident, ever assured that you know that you know him. I want you to be a chaste virgin. He says, I put in all this labor. The Spirit of God is working in me. He's moving in me. For what purpose? For what reason? Listen, so that you may be presented on that day a chaste virgin, pure and blameless and holy in his sight. And when the people of God, the Corinthian church, was not living how Paul knew we ought to live and how they were ought to live and honor God with their lives, he was concerned, 2 Corinthians 13, he says, I'm found mourning and weeping over your present state and condition. That's what he said. I said it brought the man of God to a weeping and to mourning because of their present evil. You can read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you can read where he was weeping and mourning over these people whom had sin in their lives. Listen, it's that three-letter word that kept us from Christ when we were out in the world. And it's that three-letter word that kills us, that destroys us, that alienates us from the life of God. Come out, I believe. This is the ever-burning zeal that's in his heart today. Come out from among them and be separate says the Lord. I said, I believe God today has that ever-burning zeal for his house and for his people. Come out, church. Stay out. Look to him. Yield to him and let him keep you in this present hour and day. In a day and a time where the Bible says people will depart from the faith. In a day and time where there will be a great falling away. In a day and time where lawlessness shall abound and the love of many shall wax worse and worse. Come on. We're living in the last times, in the last days and God says, I need you to look to me every day. I need you to yield to me every day so I can produce my life, so I can produce my purity, so I can produce my holiness in you by way of my power and spirit. Oh, church, I believe God has an ever-burning zeal today for holiness and purity in your life and heart. Without holiness, listen, no man shall see God. And you can't produce this in and of yourself. I preach it often because the Lord lays it on my heart often. Speak to the church because there's a continual exhortation in the Bible of holy living, pure living. Of sanctification. God is concerned with our sanctification. God is concerned with our salvation. He must, according to the scripture, be worshiped in the beauty of holiness. We're going to the next point. As obedient children, in with this on this point. As obedient children, listen, do not conform yourselves to your former ways of lust. First Peter. Do you hear that exhortation? As obedient children, do not conform yourself. Don't go back to your former ways of lust. But rather, listen, answer the call. Be holy as he is holy. And he says, for God, you know, the Father judges without partiality. And he gives to every man according to his deeds. Think about that. That's to the believers. Let the Holy Spirit make that real to you. Let the Spirit of God make that real to you. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, Paul says. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my own body. I give it to Christ. I lay it on the altar and let him do his work in me. I bring it into subjection to the Spirit of God, lest when I have listened, preached to others, I myself would what be a castaway, an accursed, disqualified. In Paul's mind, he could be a disqualified man before Christ. We're talking about the man who was in, used by the Lord to write most of our New Testament. He says, if I don't subject myself to Christ, if I don't run this race with an, an intentional and affectionate looking, ever looking to Christ, if my eyes get away from Christ, if my heart gets away from Christ, if I begin to live for self and I allow the unclean and the mixture of the world to get in this heart and life, if I allow the cares of this life to bring forth idolatry in me, then friends, listen, I can be disqualified, Paul was saying. I could be accounted a castaway before God. 
That was Paul the Apostle speaking this. Let us listen and heed. Lastly, I believe he has a zeal and desire for the church to again be kingdom-minded. His ever-burning zeal is, number one, that we would love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and remain in his love. Remain in his love. Secondly, that we would yield to him and let him work his work in us. That we be holy and pure through way of his blood and by way of the power of his spirit who keeps us. Number three, I believe he has an ever-burning zeal, listen, a desire for the church to again be kingdom-minded. To be about, listen, the Father's business. Twelve years old, he's in the temple. I must be, he said. I've got to be. I'm compelled to be about my Father's business. I believe the church is doing a lot of business. Come on, in the temple. It says they were doing business, but they weren't doing the business of the Father. They were busy, but they were not busy with the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying, church? Get this in your spirit. God is looking and ever burning with the zeal for the church again to be the church. For the church again to get back to what the Bible says. For the church again to move in power. For the church again to move and to live and to walk with kingdom authority. And with the countenance and the presence of God in us and upon us. He has a zeal and desire for the church to again be kingdom-minded. He, listen, died and paid a price so that you would also tell the world that he died and paid the price. Are we about the Father's business? The Bible says when Jesus began his ministry, what did he do? He went out and he says, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen, Jesus said, listen, when you come to me, when he called his disciples, remember when he called them, Peter, he called his brother Andrew, he called James and John, what did he tell them? What's the scripture say? Follow me, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. We need to get to a place in God where God begin, begins to move in us. And light us with his fire. Give us that heavenly oil. Give us that heavenly boldness and confidence. Give us that heavenly assurance. Give us that heavenly power to go and to do and to be about his service and his business. Because God desires his kingdom manifest on this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. I believe the church has been silent, listen, too long, and he is spiritually angry about it. He says, you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. To follow Christ, if you love me, you'll obey my word. What's the word? Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Go and preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. Let them know that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Let them know that there's only one way and one name given among man by which we can be saved. Let them know that this high and exalted Christ once was humbled and held down as a bondservant and he became obedient to death on the cross. But let them know that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let them know, friends, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to bring forth deliverance and salvation to a soul. The only thing that's going to change the mind of this society and this culture we live in is not if they vote red. Listen, I believe we ought to do our part when it comes to time to do our part when it concerns voting and whatnot. But what's going to change the heart? I can convince somebody that their way of thinking is wrong. Their political view is wrong. But if I don't get the gospel to their soul, if I'm not concerned about their eternity, friends, then I'm losing. I'm missing the very point of why God said go. 
I'm missing the point. I'm missing the kingdom because Jesus says, I'm coming to you. And everywhere he went, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What what was contained in that message? Repentance and faith in Jesus. That's what the kingdom of God is about. He says, what? The kingdom of God is like a seed, a mustard seed. You put it in the ground. He says, you turn away. You look back. He says, and it's a big old tree with large branches, and there's a lot of birds in there. The kingdom of God is about souls. Listen, those birds represent souls. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is about the power and the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, to reach to reach the, the, the people whom are unreached, to reach the people whom have been reached, whom are rejecting, to reach the people and to ever speak the truth to their heart that, listen, without Christ you will die and go headlong into an eternity without Him. Does that concern you? Does that burden you? You say, well, yes, for my family, but friends, you need to be in a place in God where it goes beyond your family. You need to look at people as Christ looks at them, every one of them. I believe the church has been silent too long. I believe he's angry about the fact many have neglected and rejected the great commission, the great one. Deliver those. Listen to this scripture. Listen, this this speaks to my heart here. Proverbs 24 and 11 and 12. Deliver those who are drawn toward death. And hold back, listen, those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this. If you say that, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? He says, hold back those whom are stumbling to the slaughter. If you want to know and learn doctrine about hell and heaven, just read the letters in red, brother. Read read the, the the letters in red. If you want to receive spiritual truth, if you want to receive an unction, if you want to receive a burden, just open up your Bible and read the letters of red. And read what Christ had to say about this place. This is not, listen, there are false teachings and doctrines out there that says there's annihilationism. You know what that is? At one point in eternity, he's going to annihilate it. It's going to be over. It's going to cease to exist, talking about hell. But Jesus says it's everlasting punishment. You hear what I'm saying? He says it's eternal separation. The Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Revelation 14, those who take the mark of the beast and worship him and worship his image and the devil. What's the Bible say? Revelation 14. It says what? The smoke of their torment rises and ascends forever. And it says day and night they are tormented without rest. Day and night. Forever. I know, listen, I, I, I don't like the thought of that. I don't joy in that. But you know what? I don't question the Lord either. Hell is necessary. You hear what I'm saying? Hell is necessary. I know that's strong words, but listen, hell is necessary. God sees the wickedness of the wicked. He sees the crime. He sees the complacency. He sees the spiritual apathy. And friends, if we were there on that day, that's why I believe we got to let the cross again provoke us, what he did. Because if you were there on that day and you saw what the Father saw, when he was beaten and he was bloodied and he was humiliated in front of all of his creation, by his creation, you'd understand why there's a hell when those who reject, when those who stick their nose at God and want to be their own God. When we get to heaven, Revelation 14, after it described the, the, the torment of hell, Revelation 15 says, we're before the throne and we're saying, just and true are your ways, O God. Not, not why, but just and true are your ways. Listen, begin to again proclaim to the world that, listen, we serve a just God, a holy God, a righteous God, a God without sin who cannot overlook sin. Therefore, he came and he humbled himself and he paid a price so that you can be free, that you can have peace, that you can have hope, that you can make heaven your home. 
that you can know him here and now and for all of eternity. That's the gospel. That's the good news, that he so loved us. And he demonstrated his love toward us while we were sinners. This is the message I'm saying that belongs to the world. It belongs to the world. Have mercy on those, Jude chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Look at what he said. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. This is the word of God to us. This is the concern that Christ ever burns to put in us. Because, listen, he knows that there's only one message that goes to the very core of the soul and spirit. He knows that there's only one word and one gospel, that's going, one message that's going to bring forth a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's the word that we have in our heart. It's the word that we know. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen it over and over and over again. Someone who was bound, homosexuals, born again by the Spirit. Come on. Drunkards, born again by the Spirit, delivered over and over again. People who have all their types of sin. Those people who are living for themselves, not even doing the bad things, just living for themselves without care, without God. Living their own life as if they're their own God. Preaching the gospel and getting to the core of their heart and life and at the end of it saying, what is the meaning and the purpose of your life? You have none. The Bible says without Christ we have no hope. We have no hope without God. We're hopeless without God. And that's our message to them. Listen, you're hopeless. You have nothing. But if you want to know something, if you want to know the God who made the heavens and the earth, I got good news for you. I got a God who can deliver you, save you, apply his blood and cleanse you and forgive you of all your sin. Set you free and put you on a rock to stay. Put a song in your mouth. Give you joy in the morning and, and, and a dance in the evening. Hallelujah. But friends, we've got to be faithful to be kingdom minded. God is ever burning with a zeal for us to be faithful to his kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom, listen, is not of this world. When he was getting crucified. He says, I could call legions of angels. I could, I could call the angels of heaven and they would come and they could get me. They could rescue me right now at my word. He said this, but my kingdom isn't of this world or my servants would fight. What Jesus was saying was, listen, his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. It defies this world. It's controversial to the world, but yet it's convicting to the world. It's deliverance to the world. It's the message that offers hope. It's the, the only message and method that can bring forth God's desires, which is salvation. And again, we see in the text the people were just doing business. Be exhorted today. Don't be caught doing business. Don't just be caught going through the motions. God has given you his word. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his power. And if you have not received those things, listen, it's time to receive. It's time to receive because the days are short. And when you stand before God, I just preached this last week and I feel the unction to do it. When you stand before God, church, the only thing that matters is were you found faithful. He will either say, depart from me or well done, my good and faithful servant. Or you found faithful to the cause. Or you found faithful to his cross. Or you found faithful to Jesus. Did you ever stay the race? Or you found faithful to his kingdom? Or you found faithful to deliver his message? David says, I will not withhold your salvation. He says, I will not withhold your faithfulness. I will declare your testimonies. I will declare your faithfulness. I will proclaim your salvation day unto day. Are you about the kingdom? Or are you doing your own business? That's a good question for all of us. God often hits me with it. Tell him, remember why you're here. 
Remember that this world is just what? And its form is just, guys, it's passing away. Let us get that in our spirit. It's just, it's passing away. The world, this, this world that we're living in, that's what Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 7. Hey, don't misuse it. Why? Because it's passing away. It's passing away. So the stuff that we really hold to and the stuff that we allow to divorce us from Christ and separate us from Christ, the things that we get busy on, the things that we allow to take his place are passing away. It's empty. It's temporary. It's seen, but that which is unseen is eternal. Live for that which is unseen, church. Store up treasures in heaven, church. Live for Christ, follow Christ, and he will make you a fisher of man. He will place his power and his presence in you. But before this, listen, we've got to love him. He's got to have our heart. He's got to have our heart. He's got to have our love. And he will bring forth his power and his spirit. Would you stand with me? The ever-burning zeal, the ever-burning zeal of Christ.